Welcome to our online service for Renewal. My name is Adri, and I'm so glad you're spending time with us today. Today, you'll hear from Pastor Jared and our worship team. We hope that you leave encouraged and changed for the better. Before that, I'd like to share a few ways that you can get connected during and after service. During the service, you can engage with others in our online community by introducing yourself and sharing where you're from, sending likes when you hear something you agree with, requesting prayer, following along with the message notes, or filling out the connection card at any time. Keep a lookout for the online hosts because they'll share helpful information and get you whatever you need. We're here to help you grow and to take the next right step. So be sure to fill out the online connection card so we can stay in touch with you throughout the week. If you'd like to give, you can go to renewalchurchboston.com give to give at any point. We believe the church is God's people gathered and we're excited to see God work in and through you. Our worship team is about to start. And after the talk from Pastor Jared, I'll be back to share more about next steps. Enjoy the service. Hey, Renewal Church. We're happy to have you with us today. Let's worship. Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning, 
thank you that you are good today, tomorrow, the next day, and forever. God, I pray that when we feel discouraged, that we remember that you are good and that you're there for us. God, I pray that we run to you when we're feeling this way. I thank you that you are our comforter and our friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, thanks for joining us today at Renoa. Before Pastor Jared joins us to share a brief message, we wanted to point your attention to a few things. If you haven't yet, please fill out the online connection card. We ask that everyone fill it out every week so that we know who's here and so that we know how to help you take that next step. Even if you want to jot down a way that we can pray for you, our staff prays for you every week. And so we'd love to know how we can pray for you this week. After the service today, we're going to have our usual Zoom after party. And though it's not actually a dance party, it's still a lot of fun. And we hope that you'll join us and see you there. Our online chat host will be posting a link during the service so that you can join us afterward. Last week, Pastor Jared shared an encouraging message about overcoming financial failure God's way. And as a result of that message and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we had a few people sign up for our three-month tithe challenge. And so that's amazing and we're so happy and encouraged by those people who took that step of obedience. A few years ago, when I moved uh, to Boston, I actually uh, did a career change. And as a result of that, I ended up taking about a third cut in my pay. And I was nervous, I was looking at my budget like, God, what are you gonna do? Cause this does not make any sense. Um, but I stayed, uh, I continued to tithe. And I've just, since then I've seen God just be faithful every step of the way and provide for me. So much so that like, I've even been able to give more than the tithe. And so that's just such an amazing blessing from God and just uh, proves to me how faithful he is when we take those steps of obedience. So if you're here today and you are feeling that stirring in your heart to take that challenge, we encourage you to take that step on the online connection card. Go ahead and check off that box so that our staff can send you something in the mail to encourage you on your journey. 
Today's message is on overcoming discouragement. And before Pastor Jerry joins us, let's go ahead and take some time in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness and how you love us, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that through this service, you would open our eyes and open our hearts to receive the message that you have for us today. Change us, renew us, refresh us, God, and make us more like your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Hey there, I'm Jared Kirk, pastor of Renewal Church. Thank you for watching online today. It's my hope that when it is safe for us to meet again, I'll get to see you in person. Won't that be a good day? Well, today we're talking about overcoming discouragement. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for something for years just to have it slip through your fingers? Our church used to meet at a high school in the city of Boston, and it was less than clean, let's put it that way. To say that it was charming would be a real stretch. And so I'd kind of prayed over the years, you know, God, would you, would you let us find a permanent facility? And after we'd been there a little while, a half a block away, there was a big, beautiful church building and the church that was there closed down. And a year went by and it was closed and two years and three years and there was just no one in this building. And so I started praying and I would go by every day and I would sit outside and pray and say, God, you know, if it's your will, would you, would you give us this building? I developed a relationship with some of the priests there. I, I would reach out to the, the head of the order of priests who owned the building. I, I sent, re, I sent uh, reports and prospectuses and, and letters and I never heard anything back for years until one day I got a letter in the mail and I was like so excited. My heart was beating out of my chest. It was from the head office of the people who owned the building. And so I opened up the letter and I start reading it and you know what it says? Thank you so much for your interest. We regret to inform you that. And oh, I was devastated. I, it, I'd been praying for it for years. And so what I did was I closed my computer I went to flower, picked up a chocolate brioche, and I went home because I thought, you know what? You win some days and you lose some days, and I lost this day. I was so discouraged. But what I had to come to understand over time is that school, that dirty school, was exactly where God wanted us, apparently, so we had to find a way to make it work. You know, we're talking about overcoming discouragement today. And I know that some of you are discouraged because quarantine is dragging on and it just keeps going on and on and on. Heck, it's week six. I'm preaching in a hoodie. That's how deep into quarantine we are, right? And so it might be that you're alone or you're bored or you're, you're broke or all of the above. And so discouragement sets in. But there's other things in life too, the normal parts of life that can get you discouraged. It could be that your singleness has continued longer than you ever wanted it to. It could be that you were hoping your marriage would get better and improve, but it's not. And that can be a real serious discouragement when you're working to see something change, but it never seems to change. 
maybe you're still in the degree program or the future of your business is completely uncertain because of what we're facing, it can lead to serious discouragement. A child that never changes, a prayer that's never answered, or that's how it seems and that's how it feels and you're discouraged. The Bible's full of people who who got discouraged. Job was a man who, um, he suffered a lot in his life and his wife actually came to him at one point and said, Job, would you just curse God and die? That's how bad your life is. Discouragement gets even worse when you have people like that in your life. Maybe you don't have encouragers, you have discouragers in your family and it is just, it crushes you, it weighs on you. There's like, it's like there's a dark cloud following you around. That's why what we're talking about today is so incredibly important. It is powerful that when you have a shift in perspective, it can change discouragement to hope in a minute. And so some of you started watching today discouraged and you will leave encouraged and full of hope today just because there's a change of perspective. And and when, when, when that shift happens in your life, it gives you the motivation and the drive to, to keep going instead of discouragement, which wants you to kind of lock yourself in your basement and quit on life. But you can keep going when you've got that encouragement from God in your soul. When you believe that God sees what you're going through and that he has a plan for you, you can stay in the situation and make it work. That perspective is so powerful. Right, Because even if nothing changes in your situation today, but you knew for an absolute fact that God was going to work it out for your good, would you have the strength you need to keep going? You better believe your discouragement would diminish. So we're going to be opening up our Bibles to the story of Hagar today. It's in Genesis chapter 16. I'm so excited to share this with you. It's a, Hagar's one of these little known people in the Bible who faced serious discouragement in her life, so much so that she would run away from her family in the middle of a pregnancy. Her life was falling apart, but it, as God interrupts her story, we find out how to find encouragement in the middle of discouragement. Now, this is part of our series. It's actually the last week of our series, Overcome. We're talking about how God is going to overcome what we're going through, everything with coronavirus and quarantine. But even in the middle of that, he's going to help you overcome the battles that you are facing like discouragement. So open with me to Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says this, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she says to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Wow. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar So she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. 
It was, in, it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And when you skip down to verse 13, the story ends. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, she said. For I have now seen the one who sees me. Now, in this incredible little story, a couple of things that I want to point out. First, you've got to see Hagar's discouragement. Now, the story starts actually with Abram and Sarai. They uh, were promised by God an offspring. They were well past the years where they could give birth to children, but God promised this miracle child in their life. And so they're waiting on God's promise to be fulfilled and it's not happening. Years are going by. And so they start to think to themselves, well, God's taken his time and this whole monogamy thing hasn't really worked. So maybe if we try polygamy, we can give God a helping hand. Now, polygamy appears in the Bible all over the place, and it is everywhere portrayed as an unmitigated disaster. So keep that in mind when you're reading the Bible. Not everything that is contained in the Bible is approved of by God. And Hagar gets caught up in the middle of their sin, and that can be incredibly discouraging, can't it? When someone else's sin is the cause of your pain in life, that can be incredibly discouraging. But here's another reason why Hagar was discouraged. You have, to, you have to see it through, through the eyes of her time. She was a female slave. She was literally the bottom of the social hierarchy. And so she likely thought she would never be married and never have children. So when Sarai comes to her and Abraham comes to her and says, hey, we've got this plan. You're going to marry Abraham and have children. It's possible that, that Hagar saw this as her wildest dreams coming true. Now, when we hear that from our time and our perspective, we're thinking about slavery, we're thinking about consent, we're thinking about power dynamics, and all of that stuff is valid. But it doesn't change the fact that in Hagar's story, she likely saw this as an incredibly good thing, as a rise in her status. But her story really falls apart and turns into radical discouragement when her wildest dreams come true, but they turn out to be her worst nightmares. It turns out that her, her husband, Abram, is so passive, he won't protect her. And the other wife in the equation, Sarai, mistreats her so badly and, and things are so bad. She's so discouraged at home that she is willing to run away as an unmarried female slave into the wilderness. She is incredibly, incredibly discouraged. But the second thing I want you to see is God's care for Hagar. And this is where the story gets so beautiful. Now, what no original reader of this story would miss, but we, we often miss because we don't see it through their eyes, is that you know, God cares about Abram, that much is true, but Abram is a wealthy man. Hagar, who's at the bottom of the social pyramid and is a runaway slave at this point, right? she must have wondered, does God actually care about me? She, she had heard about God, but she had never experienced God himself. And if this God was thinking about her, maybe his concern would be to punish her from running away from Abram. But God comes to Hagar and he does two things for her. The first thing he does is he sends her back to her mistress. 
And we, we read that and we think, man, what is that all about? But that's not permanent in Hagar's life. Hagar um, later, instead of running away from home, will be sent away from home. And when God meets her that time, he will not send her back. He will bless her because her son will be older and he'll be more able to protect her and provide for her. He'll be just a few years away from that. So what's happening here with Hagar when God sends her back is not about God wanting to bless Hagar. It's about timing in her life. And so he sends her back. He says, Hagar, you cannot run away from your problems. You have to go back and find a way to make it work for now because these are God-decided circumstances for you. So that's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is that he blesses her. And I just think this is so beautiful because Hagar in this story has done nothing to earn blessing or deserve blessing, but God shows up in the middle of her story. And when he finds her, he says, hey, go back to your mistress. And also, I am gonna bless you. God cares about Hagar. He sees what she is going through. And here's the third thing I wanna point out. Hagar names God. In the Old Testament, people often name God when they have a personal experience of him. Hagar had heard about God. She'd seen Abram and his household worship this God before, but she must have wondered if this God actually cared about someone like her. But in the middle of a desert, pregnant and running away from home, God comes to her because he cares about what's happening in her life. And so she gives him a name. She calls him Jehovah El Roy, the God who sees me. And this is my favorite name for God in the whole Bible. The God who knows what you're going through. The God who knows how discouraged you are. The God who sees what's really going on that nobody else sees. The God that knows what's happening in that home behind closed doors. The God who sees you the God who cares about the mess in your life. She gives him a name. Now, I want to talk to those of you today who are discouraged. So discouraged that you just want to run away from the problems in your life. You just think, I, I, can't, I can't take this anymore. I want to tell you, you know, one reason you can enter that sort of pit of despair in your life is because you've never had a personal encounter with the God who sees you. That is what changed everything in Hagar's story. That is what let her go from running away from her problems to turning and facing them until a, a day did come where she was able to get out of that situation and she was blessed. But in your life, you know, maybe you've learned what, what Hagar learned. Maybe the sin of other people has caused all this hurt in your life. And probably some of your own sin has contributed to that too. In fact, all this pain in your life may have taught you what Hagar discovered too. That life without God will become hell long before you die and have to worry about the real thing. But the good news is that God is inviting you into a relationship with him. He sees you. He cares about you. And to respond to his invitation to a relationship it's very simple. The first thing you do is you lay down your will and live for God's will. That's what Hagar did. He said, Hagar, I need you to stop your plan and live according to my plan. So you've got to lay down your will. Jesus said it this way, not my will, but thy will be done. 
The Bible actually calls it repentance. Then you verbalize your faith. So you put this newfound faith into words. And I'm going to pray at the end of the message today, giving you a chance to put your faith into words. You can pray along with me wherever you are. And then lastly, you plunge away your past. You're baptized. And baptism is the best way that I can think of to show that you are laying down your will and following the will of another. And that's how you accept God's invitation to a relationship with him. And that knowledge that there is a God who cares and is watching over your life and he is, you know him so closely and intimately, it changes discouragement into hope. Now we're gonna talk in just a few minutes about practically how we can put this into place in our lives today. But before we do, I wanna share an interview with you that I did with a friend of mine, Pastor Dickie Spargo from Gastonia, North Carolina. And the reason I reached out to him this week is because he has the spiritual gift of encouragement. He is literally the most encouraging person I have ever met in my life. And so I wanted to hear, I wanted you to hear from him about how to overcome discouragement in your life. Take a listen to Pastor Dickey. Hey, Pastor Dickey, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Jared, I'm really excited about being here, buddy. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you because you are uh, one of the most positive, encouraging people that I've ever met. I think you have the spiritual gift of encouragement. And so I wanted you to help just share a little bit of what you've learned along the way. The first thing I wanted to ask is just this. You are generally a super positive and encouraging person. So how have you faced discouragement in your life? Because sometimes people feel like if you're positive, then you're never discouraged. <laughs> well, you know, Jared, I would tell you that uh, the the most discouraging thing to me in life has been when life hasn't turned out the way I want it to. And that it's generally not only just in our career, you know, in our church, I want our church to be, I'm a pastor right outside of Charlotte and maybe things aren't going the way I want to at church, but really, a lot of times it's in our own personal relationships, maybe um, marriage or it can be kids. And, and, and what I found is that uh, I have a tendency, if I'm not careful to allow my circumstances that I'm in at that moment to control my emotions. And so, um, and without really working on it, and I just, I, I find myself playing handball against the curve. I get down, 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 dooby doo, down, down. And it doesn't, it, it really just begins to spiral out of control. Yeah. If you were going to share with people some really practical advice for how they can deal with discouragement, what would you say? You know, for me, it, it has been that I recognize that my emotions come from my thoughts. So, um, and my thoughts come from what I'm feeding myself. And so if I'm, feeding myself a lot of things that are negative, that, that are discouraging, that are despondent, uh, you know, worry is negative meditation. So when I begin to worry about this, worry about how I'm going to uh, meet my financial obligations, uh, worrying about my future, and I find myself making a molehill, turning it into a mountain. And it really, I believe the battle for you, the battle for me, for those that are watching, our battle is not around us. Our battle's within us. Mm-hmm. Our battle is in our mind, in our mindset, how we think, how we look at life, how we look at our challenges in life. Oh yeah. That's huge. That's huge for people. Let me come back to, to this. What is the, what is the most important lesson you've learned about overcoming discouragement? Something you've learned personally along the way that you say, 
this has to be in place for you? Well, you know, the, the Bible tells us very clearly, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so really when it comes down to me, uh, Jerry, is I, I begin to look at my, uh, my problems and, and they look, oftentimes look really, really big, particularly when I've got too much month at the end of the money. You know what I'm saying? And what I really needed to be doing, instead of focusing on how big my problem is, I need to focus on how big God is. It's really a matter of what I focus on. The, the biggest thing, Jerry, that has got me through the challenges in, our, in my life is this, is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it absolutely has changed everything in my life because I, I go back to the Bible and I see the promises that God gives me that he's going to complete that good work he began in me, that he promises that he will never leave me, that he will never forsake me, that if God is for me, who can be against me? Dear, I'm telling you, when I begin to get those thoughts in my mind, I begin to recognize I'm not alone. And there's somebody watching this, Jerry, right now that feels very alone. That's when we really get discouraged. When we feel like there's nobody pulling for us, nobody there for us, Jerry, you know as well as I do, there is somebody pulling for you. There is somebody that's there for you. And I would, I would encourage you, if you don't get anything else out of this interview, is this. Don't give up, look up. And if you'll look to God, the Bible says it like this. If you'll seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And the one thing that's helped me through my discouragement, bar anything else, has been my relationship with my creator through his son, Jesus Christ. That has made all the difference in my life. Well, thank you. Pastor Dickey for sharing that with us. And also thank you so much for supporting our church plant in Boston. It's really been an honor to, to know you and have your support behind us. So thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, it's been great being here. God bless you. We're praying for you and you guys in Boston. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope that was a blessing to you. Pastor Dickey has been a huge blessing to me personally in my life. Well, now we're gonna talk about how we can practically follow in the footsteps of Hagar. How can we stay and make it work when we're in God-decided circumstances, things that, situations we can't get out of because God has us in them, but we need to hold on in faith and make it work. And there's three areas that came to mind as I was thinking about our church and what God's doing in us right now. Now, the first one is blindingly obvious. The first area is quarantine. You can't escape from it. You got to stay and make it work. It's a God-decided circumstance because our ruling authorities have put it into place. And so as Christians, we follow the law of the land as long as it doesn't contradict with the law of God. Now, so many people are trying to escape from quarantine, mostly by distracting themselves to death or trying to numb themselves to death, by giving into old destructive habits. And so you're trying to just run away from this problem instead of sitting in the middle of these hard circumstances and facing it. But I want to encourage you with this. If you're a Christian, my guess is you've said once or twice in your life, I wish I had more time to read the Bible. Well, guess what? You've got quarantine. You can stay and make it work in quarantine by reading your Bible. It's that simple. Colossians says this, 
It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And if you want to let the word dwell in you, you've got to let it into the house first. So maybe this is a time to start a Bible reading plan, call up a friend and redeem the time. Netflix is great. The word of God is even greater. So read your Bible. Another one might be during quarantine, you need to connect with our online uh, community group because you've discovered there's a lack of healthy relationships in your life and you need to connect. Now, we're asking every person who watches to fill out a connection card for us online each week. And if you're a new guest, we'll send you a free gift for your information. We, we appreciate you watching, but we need everybody to fill it out so that we can pray for you. And if you check the box that says, send me info about the online community group, we'll make sure that you get that information. But staying and making it work during quarantine means redeeming the time and not wasting the time that God has given to you. Here's a second area where you might need to stay and make it work because God sees you and he has a plan for you. It's marriage. And this is a huge one. I see so many couples, too many couples, give up on marriage because of discouragement, right? Maybe you're married to a passive man like Abram, or you're married to a controlling wife like Sarai. And what you thought was gonna be your greatest dream has become a serious nightmare. And you're thinking, I just need to escape from these circumstances. That's what Hagar thought before she was sent back. Let me encourage you with this. If you're married, you are married to the right person. Jesus talked about marriage like this. He says, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So what you've got to do is you've got to stay and make it work. Now, when I say stay and make it work, here's what I don't mean. I don't mean suffer through it together. I don't mean live two separate lives, but stay technically married. I don't mean get lost in your work and find your identity in that because your relationship's not going very well. I don't mean stay together for the kids. Here's what I do mean. You need to fight to have a great marriage. Husbands, I am talking to you right now. You have the primary responsibility for fighting for a great marriage in your relationship. So take some initiative. Don't be passive like Abram. Step up to the plate and fight for a great marriage. It might mean going to get counseling. It might mean talking to a pastor. It might just mean getting together with an experienced Christian married couple or doing a Bible study together with your wife. But this is the, this is the most important human relationship in your life. Why would you settle for roommate status? Now, Heather and I have a, a marriage check-in that we do, and it's this kind of guided time of conversation. And when our, when our relationship gets too shallow, you ever, you ever do that thing where you're living together, but you're just roommates, and your conversations are all about, well, next Thursday I have two, like, listen, when that happens, we do a marriage check-in, and I want to send you this document because it can change your marriage. So fill out the online connection card and check the box that says, send me the marriage check-in, and we'll, we'll send it to you because it'll help change things. But you've got to stay and make it work. You've got to fight for a great marriage. What God put together, let no one separate. If you're in a tough marriage, know this. God sees you. He has a plan for you. So you've got to stay and make it work. Here's the last area that I thought of for our church. It's singleness. Singleness is tough. And some people at our church are called to singleness. And you're like, I'm, I love being single. But most people at our church are single for now. You feel about being single the same way that I felt when my wife informed me that we were gonna eat vegetarian for three months. It was kind of like, 
yeah, that's not my first choice, but I don't think I really get a choice. And that's what singleness is for a lot of people. I see people try to escape from singleness in a lot of ways. Um, here's some examples. Radically overscheduling your free time so that you don't have to experience loneliness. Um, moving in with a boyfriend or girlfriend before you're married. It could be giving yourself physically and giving your heart to a boyfriend or girlfriend too quickly when you're in a dating relationship with them. Um, and here's the biggest one of all, the way people I see, I see young people and old people try to escape from singleness is by marrying the wrong person. You're so tired of being single, so tired of feeling unwanted and getting the family pressure that you compromise on who you marry. You know, you find someone and their, their, their relationship with God is not red hot. It's kind of warm. It's kind of lukewarm. Um, and, but they're there. You know, they're there and they're kind of like, they're into you a little bit. And so they're kind of willing. But let me encourage you with this. Do not settle for warm and willing. Wait for hot and qualified. Right? Because it is better to be single than to be married to the wrong person. And if you need to get that tattooed backwards on your forehead so that you see it every morning, don't try to escape from singleness by marrying the wrong person. It will, it's a lifelong decision, right? So you've got to stay and make singleness work. Now, the good news is singleness is not a second-class status in the kingdom of God. Jesus was single, Paul was single, and that's good enough for me, right? God says that your singleness is actually a gift, but it's not a gift for you. It's a gift to the church. Here's what um, 1 Corinthians says. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. And so you have more time, energy, availability to serve the, the church, to serve the Lord with single-minded devotion. What might that look like for you right now during quarantine? But if you're single, and you're struggling, I want you to know, God sees you, God has a plan for you, so find a way to make it work. All right, so let's recap just a little bit. You might be discouraged about your marriage, about your child, about your singleness, about your business, or just about quarantine. But there is a God in heaven who sees what you are going through and he longs for you to have a relationship with, with him. He's inviting you into that relationship. When you know him and you know he has a plan for you, you can stay and make it work in God-decided circumstances, no matter how hard it is, because you know God is gonna work that together for his glory and for your good. And that one thought alone can change your discouragement into hope. Now, I promised you at the end of the message today that if you wanted to lay your will down and follow the will of your heavenly father and, and say yes to his invitation to a relationship, that I would pray to help you put your faith into words. So I wanna invite you right now to pray with me. Let's pray. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And so I'm asking him to be my forgiver. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And so I'm asking him to be my leader. God, would you come into my life? Forgive me, lead me, save me, give me heaven as my home and the Holy Spirit. God, I don't wanna live for myself. I wanna live for you. I'm sorry for how I've lived. And teach me what it means to walk in your footsteps. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, I hope that everyone who is listening today will fill out the online connection card. But if you prayed to say yes to God's invitation, would you especially check that box that says, I'm starting relationship with God today? Because you need to take the step of baptism to plunge away your past and show the world that you are trusting in God and in his kingdom and living for his kingdom and not living for your kingdom. Hey, thanks for joining us. Next week, we are starting a brand new series called Triumph Through Trials, and we are going through the book of James. And so to those of you who are have a Bible at home already and you're a Bible reader, start reading the book of James because we're gonna be going through that over the next five weeks. I hope you'll join us. We're gonna get through these hard times together. I love you guys. I'm thankful for you. Be blessed and go in the knowledge that there is a God in heaven who sees you, who has a plan and a future for you, and have hope. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that throughout the service you were able to learn, grow, and be strengthened in your faith. If this was helpful for you, consider inviting a friend to join you online next week through a text message before the service starts. Before you go, we'd like to remind you to fill out the online connection card so we can stay connected throughout the week. If you're not sure about your relationship with God, we want you to know that God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. If you want to learn more about starting a relationship with God, click the button for prayer requests and one of our hosts will be with you. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you next week. May God continue blessing you and showing you more of his love, presence, and grace.